Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Stayed onside. The late man Matthews. Great move. What a goal. Beauty. Austin Matthews. Matthews flipped it up for Marner. Mitch Marner centering. Hyman to the net. Scores. He took fast down and his shot trapped in the corner. All right, welcome to episode 29 of Not Another Leafs Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network at Ken Stapon, at McCarthy 95 at LeafsPod, at HockeyPodNet. And a reminder that this podcast is brought to you by DraftKings. It's that time of year again. The conference tournaments are tipping off. Bubble teams are making their final push for a bid while the top seeds are preparing for what they hope is a long run in the NCAA tournament. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting new customers in the center of the action Bet $4 on an underdog and win $256 if they win. It's that simple. That's bet $4 on an underdog and select college basketball games. And if they win, you collect $256. The bank is open. Pick one of the many select basketball games, underdogs, and your shot at winning $256. And all it takes is a $4 bet. There's no better way to put your college basketball knowledge on the line than to put your money where your mouth is on DraftKings Sportsbook. Don't worry if college basketball isn't for you. DraftKings Sportsbook also offers great odds and promotions on golf, hockey, including your Toronto Maple Leafs, and so much more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. It's that easy just with the push of a button. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code THPN when you sign up to turn $4 into $256. If the underdog of your choosing pulls off the upset, that's code THPN to turn $4 into $256. That's a big payday for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 years or older in New Jersey, Indiana, and Pennsylvania only. Only new customers only restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. BMAC, what's happening, brother? Man, if I get into sports betting for March Madness, it's it's going to be trouble. But hey, I should say, time. 
Or it could I be a good time if you bet four dollars with DraftKings, you could turn it into two hundred fifty-six dollars. Like that's, hey, that's, that's pretty that's good true, man. I'm a pretty lucky guy when it when it comes to that. So maybe maybe I'll luck out. But I should say, or we should say, big congrats to Canadian Andrew Nemhard and Gonzaga for keeping their clean slate uh, intact. Twenty-six and zero on the season, Kenny, heading into uh, the big dance, March Madness. So congrats to them. They're going to be an absolute powerhouse in the March Madness tournament. But let's talk about a team that uh, unfortunately. Uh, keeps making me want to rip my hair out because <laughs> man, the, that uh, loss a juggernaut of the Canadian division as it's been, as it's been called the Toronto Maple Leafs, dude. It's like, I know we, we talk like twice a week, but I immediately think of you after those Leafs, like those Leafs That's losses nice. drive me nuts. That it's such a, it's one of those games where they like, I know they didn't play well in front of Anderson, but they had chances where they should have finished. And you can talk about the shots. You can talk about, you know, Matthews potting a pair, scoring in different ways, but they ultimately didn't get it done in front of Anderson. And they had just horrible, horrible miscues that led to giving up three goals when they had the lead. Like they, they've had so many one goal leads this year where they just blow it in the second period. I mean, to like quickly breaking it down, you had Morrissey's tip shot off Matthews' new custom skate, which everyone was blowing up, including Jeff O'Neill. You had the, uh, Aaron passed up the middle by Riley that led to the sweet finish by Mason Appleton. And then you had the bad change, I think, on the second goal, right? So really, really bad errors uh, by the Maple Leafs. And I thought Anderson still still played pretty well, but ultimately Connor Hellebuck won the goalie duel. Here's what I'm concerned. I don't want to say concern like, oh my God, like I'm so worried about what's going on right now. But I think that there is a reason to be concerned. And this is the first time that this team has lost three games in a row all year. Actually, the first time under the tenure of Sheldon Keefe that this team has lost three games in a row. So it's a little bit of a uncharted territory in that sense. The reason I'm concerned is because in the last two games, the Leafs had the lead. In this yes. game, last night, they were up two to one. And the game against the Canucks, they were up, you know, they get the first goal of the game and then they can't manage to hold it. And th- this was just a classic, like, I know those final scores four three. Matthews kind of got like the garbage time goal with like 90 seconds left to make it interesting at least. But like for me, this is just a sh- we shot ourselves in the foot game for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Like too many mental mistakes, even on the on the Morrissey goal, which I don't know how, how what they say on the broadcast, it's like he hadn't scored in 28 games. First goal of the season for Josh something Morrissey. like that, like preposterous. Even on that goal before the Matthews um, toe deflection in, which um, maybe that's what the custom skates are for. They're like, give you a better angle at deflecting the puck. I don't know what the hell he was doing on that play. I don't know what he was thinking. It's such a risky play. But Jake Muzzin on that play, like as well, like lost the one-on-one puck battle with Mark Shifley along the boards. And that's uh, was something that's uncharacteristic out of Muzzin's play to this year. You certainly don't see him lose many of those in the defensive zone, especially. And then that leads to the Morrissey goal. You have the bad change, which is just a, I don't know what the hell was going on. It looks like a, a fire drill at, on the Maple Leafs bench. Everybody's just running around. Nobody knows who's supposed to be on the ice, off the ice, whatever. Winnipeg comes the other way. And Brendan, I'll tell you, if you're going to leave Kyle Connor alone in the slot, that's going to be a bit. That's going to be a big problem. This guy, I think Ray Ferraro said, scored 38 goals last year. He's been consistently trending towards 40. I think this, certainly this year he would have touched it in a regular 82 game season. You can't just leave that guy in front of the net. The same thing with the Jets. Like late in the game, it's like, what the hell are you doing, leaving Matthews wide open right in the slot? 
It's just yeah. like it's good. It's going to be a goal. It's going to be a goal for Kyle Connor as well, who buries that one. And then there's the pass from Riley, which I don't know what that stretch pass what he was looking to do. I obviously like just try to break it out, but that's such a bad turnover because you have all the forwards going up the ice. And then the puck, you turn it over in the neutral zone. And then Winnipeg's coming downhill. There's no back check to help. And it's a three on two. And Anderson gets beat. And I understand that he hasn't didn't have the strongest game last night. But I don't really think, like, if, even looking at all four goals, there's not one where I'd be like, yo, it went through him. Or you'd like to have it. Because the power play goal, whatever, was the deflection by whoever in front of the net Perot, I think in front of the net, there was the Kyle Connor in the slot. You certainly aren't going to blame, blame Andy on that one. There was the deflection from Austin Matthews off the toe, which that's obviously not his fault. And then there's the bad turnover by Riley that leads to the odd man rush coming the other way, which I suppose if you know, you might want that one, but also I'm not going to blame the goaltender on the errant turnover by the defenseman that leads to an odd man rush coming the other way. So it's a frustrating game. It was uh, the sloppiest game that I've seen this team play all season. And I think the reason that I'm fired up about this is that this is a little bit of a regression from what we've seen out of this team to this point in the season. It was a little bit of that snippet of the past Maple Leafs that, you know, make these mistakes and lose games that they should win. And they don't get the solid goaltending and they get outplayed on the other side by, you know, a, a the former Vesna trophy winner and Connor Heliabuck, who was able to shut them out. And now it's same old song and dance for the last three games. And I see everybody on Twitter saying, Oh, the Maple Leafs got goalied three games in a row. Well, you know, either that means that your goaltender isn't playing well enough, or it means that you need to find a way to change up your offense to beat these guys, because you're obviously going to be playing the best of the best in the playoffs. And certainly Heliabuck is going to be in the ring for that. So I don't want to put too much stake into, you know, just uh, the first three game losing streak of the season. But I am annoyed at the way the team played last night in that loss to Winnipeg. I, I'm with you, man. They, they certainly reverted back to their old ways. They, like, And this is where analytics comes back to bite me in the ass because I was teeing up the game saying Anderson's so hot against the Jets. And you can't really blame him for really any of those goals. I mean, Mason Appleton had a phenomenal finish. Don't get me wrong on the 4-2 yeah. goal. But like you alluded to, man, a lot of these a lot of these goals, you can't really put the blame on Anderson. And full full credit to the Winnipeg Jets. Okay, I know there's going to be people coming back to me and saying, "Oh, you just you just keep pumping it." And we're at least pot for Christ's sake. But the Winnipeg <laughs> Jets, I, I will agree they, yeah. that the top six, which everyone was talking about leading up to the top six of the Jets, was better than the Maple Leafs top six. I get it. Once Paul Stastny, or pardon me, once Paul Maurice moved Paul Stastny to the top line, it has done wonders in the last couple of weeks for the Winnipeg Jets that statistically they're the best team in the North division since February 19th. They've been red hot. So and they have the ability to, 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 you know, shuffle their top six in a way where they can just throw wave after wave of attack at you like the Maple Leafs and they were better and they had better goaltending last night. So full, full kudos to the Winnipeg Jets. See, I think that Toronto was, but definitively the better team last night though, if it weren't for the flagrant errors that ended up costing them on the score sheet. Like I, saw one, I saw one uh, projection. Sorry to interrupt you. I'll get let you in a second here. I saw one projection that said that out of 500 simulations of that exact game last night, Winnipeg would have won just over 25% of those games. If you were to replay them over again, based off the high percentage scoring chances for Toronto, based off the way that they were out shooting, based off the way that they were generating chances in the offensive zone. I thought that for the majority of the third period, but really before the Appleton goal, it was 
all Toronto. It was just the Connor Heliabuck show on the other end, standing on his head. And, you know, certainly he's not going to be able to do that every night. But I think that's the frustrating part is on these nights where I feel like the Maple Leafs are definitively the better team and they play the better game. It's the little mental mistakes that end up costing you two points in the standings. We're forgetting, too, when it was 4-2, Blake Wheeler had that breakaway and Anderson stoned him. He tried to go five hole and then they made it 4-3. So right there, I was like, you got to circle that if they make it. Uh, make a comeback out of this and they ultimately don't too little too late but Anderson still keeping him in it late with a huge save I thought Wheeler was was definitely gonna pot that in the back of the net and then the game's over but wow it's just frustrating man you just there's some that that's a game where you want to rip your hair out what do you make of Matthews play last night two goals but obviously still limited with the wrist yeah, it's great to see that he can he can score in different ways. I think that's got to be his first career tipping goal, is it not? <laughs> like I've never seen him have a tipping goal. Play in the bumper spot very option very often. I should no, say. and Power play. yeah, and we see Keith uh, kind of mixing things up on the top PP unit. Matthews kind of switching into that net presence role, and why not, man? He's got a big frame, big width, and he ultimately gets rewarded, and then he gets uh, dumped on afterwards. Same spot. And then he tips in as uh, the the Winnipeg Jets goal, whoever got it there, Morrissey. So, yikes! That's it. That just kind of sums up Maple Leafs Maple Leafs hockey sometimes. When I look at Matthews' game, I'm still not sure why he's playing. If he's going to be limited, I think if he is going to be limited, and you know, I'm not privy to what the injury is necessarily. But I think to this point in the season, you have built up a little bit of a cushion in the standings. Obviously. After the last three games, it's diminished a little bit, but you've afforded yourself the opportunity to give him some rest and hopefully heal up that wrist injury. Now, I'm going to run under the pretense that the Maple Leafs medical staff is probably saying, you know, another week with this thing, it's not really going to make a huge difference. Or if he plays on it now, it's not really going to make the injury worse or extend it out down the road. But I just look at it and I'm like, if your guy isn't, 100% healthy. Why are you playing him on the flip side though? I do understand the argument as well, where it's like, you know, 70% of Austin Matthews is still going to be a better player than the majority of the league. If you can get him at 70%. So perhaps you feel like you needed him. Obviously Matthews is probably chopping at the bit to get back in the lineup and they're trying to limit the strain that he's putting on that wrist. But my goodness, um, I just feel like if he's not 100%, like what are we doing here? Well, let's remember too, Kenny, the next two weeks, the Leafs have two separate windows of, of four-day break. So that'll give Matthews ample opportunity to, to nurse and aid that wrist instead of purposely resting him or, if you will, load management. But I think that comes later, maybe when the Leafs hit the 35 uh, game mark or 35 games plus, then you kind of start intentionally resting him. But luckily with their schedule coming up, I mean, they've been playing game after game. They've they played probably the most games in the entire league. So it'll, it'll give them a good opportunity to not only regroup and reset, but give their top player some time to uh, nurse his injury and get back to fine form. I'm going to go to my tweet of the day right now, basically, because it's just uh, pertains to the Leafs. So we'll just slide it in here while we're talking about it. Um, and it's from totally offsides at totally offsides. One of my favorite follows on Leafs Twitter. It's possible to criticize defensive plays while also thinking your goalie should be able to do better than an eight ten save percentage. I think that basically says it all about how Maple Leaf fans feel. Like I'm in the camp where I'm. I say that the team has to be better in front of them. But following you know the fandom on Twitter last night, 
and people are ready to Simpsons mob pitchfork and, you know, torches be walking down young street, looking for Frederick Anderson after his performance. And when you look at the, even the more detailed numbers, I think it was uh, another one of our favorite Twitter followers, Gordon Bombay tweeted out in nine of the 19 starts for Anderson this season, he's ended up with either around a 900 or a sub 900 save percentage, which is not what you expect out of your starting goaltender. Fair enough tweet. I guess I should stick with my tweet of the day since we're on the tweet of the day segment. I'm going to go with uh, Blake Murphy. Now, I know listeners can't see it, but Kenny is rocking a vintage wraps VC jersey right now. But this is coming from Blake Murphy at Blake Murphy ODC. The NBA just announced that Utah has the top selling NBA jersey in Japan so far this season. And the Raptors are tops in merch sales there among teams. So take that Steph Curry and Russell Westbrook, Utah Watanabe, just crushing it in Japan with top jersey sales. That's no surprise. To me. <laughs> yep. uh, just, just to finish up on the Leafs here before we move into around the league, um, one topic of conversation that's been a hot button issue of late has been whether or not or what the Toronto Maple Leafs should be looking to add prior to the trade deadline this year. So I actually threw a poll out on Twitter to gauge everybody's interest in what piece they should be asking. I asked, what should the Leafs be looking to add at the trade deadline? A top six forward, a top four D, a bottom six forward or other. 55% want the top six forward, while 20% want the top four defenseman. 18% want a bottom six forward, and the other 7% said other. Basically, we're all goaltender. They want a goaltender back between the pipes. And that couldn't. I couldn't help but wonder what it would take to pry one of those two starting goaltenders out of Columbus, either Merce Lincolns or Corpusalo. I mean, we got a showcase of Corpusalo's talent last year in the series against Columbus. These guys are interesting to me for two reasons. A, the cap hit. Both of them are under 5 million bucks. I believe Merce Lincolns comes in at 4 million a season, signed through the end of next year. Corpusalo, I believe, is even cheaper than that. He's either at, at uh, 2.5 or 3 million, maybe th- like I think it's uh, I think it's 2.5 signed through the rest of next season. So that's certainly a place where Toronto could make up some calorie or cap cap hit, at least through the next season when you can see a little bit of expansion on the top. And I feel like Columbus is going to be open for business. Like they're a disaster right now. They're fifth in their division, but I believe Dallas points, six points out of a playoff spot and Dallas is still behind them. And they've played six less games than the jackets. So certainly you feel like Dallas is going to be able to jump them. So basically they're in the toilet right now. I feel like they're definitely going to be sellers at the deadline. And those two starting goalies are going to be very attractive pieces. And I wonder, I'm not, I'm not bashing Anderson or saying that Kyle Dubas should be going out and trying to make a deal for a starting goaltender. I think that that can all, obviously it's the price point's going to be high and you don't want to mess up team chemistry. I think one of the biggest issues here is the fact that, you know, Freddie is underperformed, but Freddie is also really liked in the room like best friends with Austin Matthews, and you don't want to really be pissing off your star player by trading one of his best friends. I'm just looking at potential options to uh, upgrade the position. Augment the goalie depth. Augment the goalie depth, I suppose. But uh, I just wonder what it would take to pry one of those guys out of Columbus because I feel like the asking price is going to be pretty high and Yarmo is going to be open for business. I don't think we should read too much into that. I mean, this is a this is an, an urgent convo i think given how we haven't really seen anderson and campbell in tandem much this year but you know really the only thing that's going for columbus right now is their goalie depth so i don't think they're going to make a trigger move and try and offload one of their um breakout 
stars because they have the ability with these guys to have two capable starters in Merzlikens and, and Corpus Allo. So we should mention too, thanks to you guys and our, well, I guess you're liking our content. We surpassed 1K followers on Twitter, and this is all thanks to you. So so happy that you're listening and, and enjoying our podcast and content. We're going to keep rolling this out twice a week. So let's get at it, Leafs Nation. Should we hit around the league, Kenny? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so the big news this week, Sportsnet's Chris Johnson reporting that the NHL is nearing a deal with ESPN and Disney for the broadcasting rights. And I can't help but think about how Disney is going to own everything by the time this this is all said and done. It's growing the game. I think this is huge for American players such as Austin Matthews, who are going to get a real spotlight with ESPN as their broadcast partner. And certainly there was a lot of uh, questions surrounding the next deal, whether or not NBC was going to renew. And also who knows, maybe now we can see some of our favorite players make some cameos in Disney programming, such as uh, series, such as the Mandalorian and uh, other Disney series that are going to be coming out in the near future. So something to look forward to perhaps some Easter eggs in some of those programs that we love. Absolutely, man. I was just going to rhyme off before you get to Tampa Bay, rhyme off some quick milestones last night. You alluded to Dallas earlier. They thumped Chicago 6-1 in Patrick Kane's 1,000th game last night. So congrats to Kane, but didn't look too, didn't look too good yesterday for Chicago. Jamie Benn hitting the 700-point mark. Uh, he was asked how he feels about that, and he said it doesn't mean much, end quote. And David Pasternak, <laughs> It doesn't mean much except for a potential Hall of Fame bid. Yeah. And then David Pasternak, 400 career points notched last night in 406 games played. So, oh my remarkable, goodness. remarkable statistical milestones. Pasternak is going to surpass like being well over a point a game player. It's yeah, it's through, crazy. through his career. And Paddy Kane, like a thousand games for him. I know we we're talking about this on one of the prior pods, but after looking at his resume, I would like to update my position on that. I don't think that there's any definitive player american player certainly who has had a more illustrious career than patrick kane i know we talked about madonna and we, people talk about chelios i mean you look at this guy's cups three cups he's won heart trophies he's won art ross trophies like he's just been absolute stud i believe he also won the con Smythe. like this guy has so much hardware and I, i'd forgotten about a lot of it but just an absolutely outstanding outstanding career for kane i still think that matthews likely will have a good opportunity to give him a run by the end of his career but Certainly he's going to have to start by accruing some hardware himself because um, that's some pretty heavy trophies that Kane, oh, excuse me, that Kane has accumulated through his career. Uh, to, speaking of the Tampa Bay Lightning extend their point streak to nine straight after a 4-3 OT win over Detroit 8-0-1 in their last nine. And the Carolina Hurricanes also with a little six game streak of their own as uh, Jordan Stahl gets the OT winner against Nashville. So two teams in the south of the border that are steamrolling right now, BMAC. Man, the, the Carolina Hurricanes just continue to impress. I mean, they're always sniffing around, and the last team I would want to face in the opening round because they are just so well coached with Rod, Rod Brindamore, and you know we know what Tampa Bay brings, but Carolina nipping at their heels, that they're going to be fun in the playoffs like they I, have been in, in, in recent years. I feel like Rod the Bod it's kind of a foregone conclusion that this guy is going to be the coach of the Seattle Kraken. I know we talked about Julian being a potential potential uh, suitor before in the past, 
But think about who the GM of the Kraken is, uh, Rod Brindamore's former teammate, Ron Francis. And you feel like Brindamore... those dots. Yeah, I'm connecting those dots. And also, I look at the owner in Carolina. I know that he doesn't really like to crack open the checkbook very much. And I feel like for the Seattle Kraken, they're going to be willing to probably go a little bit higher as far as uh, signing on the dotted line for the number that they'd be willing to give their head coach. And uh, I feel like Rod Brindamore has proven himself now as obviously an elite player in his time in the league, Stanley cup champion and a leader of men. He's been able to do it at the next level. And how often have we seen players who weren't able to translate that experience into success coaching? Rod Brindamore has obviously been able to do that. He can relate to his players, relate to his group, get the most out of his players. And certainly I feel like that's going to be a, an obvious union down the line if for some reason they can't figure it out in Carolina, but I have a reason to believe that that will not come to fruition. He is definitely the most in shape coach uh, in the league. I mean, I feel like this guy like in between intermissions will have his quick little spiel two minutes. And he's like, okay, boys, I'm going to hit the, the facility for a quick pump. Like, and then he's back on the bench before the players are out on the ice for the next period. I mean, he is, he's just a, he's a menace, man. He just eats dumbbells. Do you ever have those coaches when you used to play that used to work out with the team, except they were just absolute monsters and they'd just be putting up more weight? Like we had a couple of uh, our strength. I played house league, Kenny, coach. so no one was doing that. <laughs> <laughs> our strength and conditioning coach for our high school team, his name was Rory Duraco, and he was a member of the SWAT team <laughs> in the adjacent town, the Danbury, Connecticut SWAT team. And this wow. guy was an absolute monster. He'd just be in, like, we'd be doing the workouts. He'd be making us do the workouts that they would do to prepare their team for, like, to be in the top physical p- condition for when they had to, like, break into houses and, like, go to threats. And there was, like, a more than one occasion where he would have to leave our off ice workout because he would get a call that the SWAT team was needed. And he'd be like, guys, I got to go finish this thing up and I'll see you on Thursday. And he'd just peel out of there and that'd be on the captains to finish the practice, which would obviously be much more lax than when Captain Rory Duraco was at the helm. But it was just... Captain uh, Rory Duraco. Captain Rory Duraco. Yeah, I would he not also, want to mess with that up, guy. He so intimidating. Yeah, he was, he was a monster, but he was a monster, absolute animal in the gym as well. He'd be bench pressing and just like putting up serious weight. <laughs> I'm like 15 years old. I'm like a string bean. Yeah. Having difficult putting up difficulty putting up, you know, 125. And this guy's just in there just pressing iron. Unreal. All right, should we go to the library bar? <laughs> Let's go. I bet Rory Duraco would love uh, a little stint at the library bar if he could. Rory Duraco probably, I think he's uh, actually off the SWAT team now. He couldn't really drink. Yeah, he couldn't drink while he was on the SWAT team because you never know when you're going to get a call. It could be the middle of the night. So it's one of those things that you have to sign off on. But I think now as a, a retired member, the Danbury police SWAT team and just a regular officer of the law. I think he can have a couple indulgences in his free time. If you'd like uh, be Mac, who you got, I'll go with uh, Mark few head coach of the Gonzaga Bulldogs. I brought this up off the top and their immaculate season, but the, the Bulldogs I've had the opportunity to cover a few of those games because of course at TSN, we care about a lot of Canadian content and Andrew Nemhard uh, putting up 
I think he's averaging almost a double-double or close to it. So Mark Few has done an outstanding job with this young group, and I can't wait to see what they can do in the March Madness tournament. Uh, I'm going to go with Dr. Zeus. <laughs> Dr. Zeus is having a couple drinks because uh, of all the fire that his books are coming on coming under in the States. I actually saw that some of his books are selling for up to $1,500, $2,000 online as a number of them has been discontinued due to being uh, deemed not politically correct anymore in this time. So Dr. Zeus is going to be having a couple of cocktails, uh, thinking about how the things he wrote 30, 40, 50 years ago <laughs> are now not being deemed politically correct anymore and being uh, basically being canceled. Jeez, man. Dr. Seuss. I was not expecting that. No, Dr. Seuss is having a, I don't know his real name. Does anybody know his real name? It's just, or he's just been a ghost writer the whole time. Yeah. Dr. Seuss is having a, a real difficult time right now in the United Wait, States of America. Or Dr. Seuss. Seuss. Oh, Seuss. You, yeah. You know, Dr. Seuss, green eggs and ham. Oh, I, I thought you were saying like with a Z or isn't it S? Dr. Seuss. Seuss or Zeus? Because Seuss. now I'm thinking of Mitch Marner's dog, <laughs> Zeus. You didn't know who I was talking about when I said Dr. Seuss? I know who Anyways. Dr. Seuss is. I, I thought you were saying Zeus. Yeah, maybe. I, 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 we can't go back and rewind the tape, <laughs> so I can't confirm or deny what I was saying. But yeah, anyways, the author of Green Eggs and Ham is in hot water, so he's going to be having a <laughs> cocktail at the bar uh, thinking uh. about what he's, what he's done. I'm pretty stoked, man. I just got the iPhone 12, so I've been uh, taking care of it like a newborn baby. Oh, congrats. Yeah, it's nice. I had to get rid of the iPhone 8 because it was just cracked. It wasn't charging and, you know. Oh, what do you got? iPhone 8 cracked. Oh, you, oh, you got the iPhone 8 and cracked. Wow. So I no, no, it's got my screen protector is only cracked, so it's not, it's not in bad shape. But no, I can't ever buy the new phone just because I don't take good enough care of it. Also, I'm not spending you know, 1200 bucks off phone. All I need is memory. And then to be able to text some people sometimes and maybe scroll Twitter. I will say it was, it was a under 500 bucks and 10 bucks cheaper than my original plan. So win, win on a, on a Monday yesterday. Hey, congrats. You got anything uh, go cooking for the rest of the day? It's a late shift for me, buddy. Probably covering a little college hoops or no, I don't think we have college. I guess it's, there might be one tonight. I think Oklahoma plays tonight, but you don't know who you're covering today. <laughs> Not yet, bro. <laughs> Not yet. Oh, fair. You just roll in there and see. Yeah. Uh, I got the I got the day off today, so it's just gonna be a little housekeeping day for me. As you can see, my dog in the background. We're gonna take a little trip, I think, down to Cherry Beach, the dog park down there. Wonder, uh, yeah, let her take a good a good run around. She loves it down there. So now that's warming up, we can uh, start to make these day trips again. Which, uh, exactly, man. Very happy to get her some exercise. You know, she loves the warm yeah. weather. Yep, I like March, late March. It just it's a sign of spring and it's a sign of playoffs, man. So it's I hope we have this weather uh, consistently. It also gets her dad off the couch. It's been like I, I know we've talked about before. I'm 30 years old now. I have a chocolate shake and my ass jiggles for a week. So I need to <laughs> I need to get I need to get up and moving. Was that yeah? Big that's daddy? fair. No, sometimes <laughs> you just got to get up and move, man. Like when I got my new phone yesterday, I just walked to the Eaton Center. It was just a, a great walk. Thanks for listening to episode 29 of Leafs Pod. Throw us a follow on Twitter at Ken Stapon, at McCarthy 95 at HockeyPodNet, at Leafs Pod. And we'll catch you next time.